Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open's Masters Class. That's right, Busted Open Podcast, available seven days a week here on Apple, Pandora, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday live 9 a.m. to noon Eastern Time on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. And I love Busted Opens the Masters class because that's when we bring in the true legends. Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, Mark Henry. Guys, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm in Miami. Uh, Nice. I know because AEW is back on the road. Uh, But you know what? Not only is AEW back on the road, we're going to see crowds back for WWE, but this is significant when it comes to pro wrestling history. July 7th, 1996, the third man was revealed, Hulk Hogan, the start of the NWO. And this has kind of been NWO week when it comes to the world of pro wrestling. So, man, it really changed the landscape of pro wrestling. So, Mark, let me go to you because you were part of the WWF slash WWE at the time. So what did you first think of the NWO being formed? The first time that I, I, when when Hogan, first I was mad. I was like, you fucking traitors. Like, you know, it, it was that type of, you know, feeling. And then it got to us getting our ass beat on a consistent basis. And you starting to feel like, damn, like, what do we have to do? And at that time, uh, we were characters. We were, you know, 80s, late 80s wrestling passe. And then you have the NWO hijacking the trucks, uh, crashing the, the, the limos with sledgehammers and uh, burning like picking a cigarette lighter behind uh, a film reel and burning the WCW logo and putting NWA, NWO on there. And, and you know, like any, everybody wanted to be a part of the NWO. Um, it was troublesome for me because um, sexual chocolate was fun, but it, it wasn't going to compete with um NWO doing something and everybody had to re uh, evaluate what they were doing in the ring and and even how 
they were doing it because you look soft. You look, you look too comical. It wasn't tough enough. And also during that time, you had a company, ECW, who was hitting people with shit that people was throwing out of the crowd. It was anarchy. It was, it was uh, rebellion. It was against the systems. And the WWE had to evolve, and it ended up evolving with the, the Attitude Era and Vince making a pivot and saying, look, we're going to take a, uh, from ECW. Uh, we're going to take from uh, what they did at WCW. We're going to create factions that, uh, you know, the nation was born, uh, DX was born, and then you had a fight. And it ended up being a fight that we was able to, you know, come back and, 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 and win it. And, um, but a lot of that was the fact that they kind of beat themselves too because they oversaturated their top guys and not let the younger people and the mid-card guys get enough love. And, you know, eventually people start getting tired of seeing Goldberg win 70 times. They got tired of seeing Hulk Hogan uh, beat the best people in five minutes or less with entrances. Like, I mean, it was, it became very, all right, I've seen this before. Let me turn and see what they're doing on WC, on WWE, on WWF. And then you had, you know, The Undertaker and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And uh, it was a very diverse group of guys, Ron Simmons. And then you had the uh, DX and you had The Nation and The Rock was starting to emerge. And I mean, it, so it, it's we started picking up so mo so much momentum because of the other guys in DX, the other guys in the nation, the other guys that you know, like the the Val Venuses of the world went away, and then it was about you know Road Dog and Billy, and and when I mean like it was so much stuff going on, like Steve Austin the glass had broke. And once once the glass broke, man, it was it was a different game. You know, you we know who the Undertaker is. We know who Shawn Michaels was, and the, you saw the emergence of Steve Austin being the major player. Like it it it, it just you know it it became that 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 the war was pretty much over. But they NWO changed pro wrestling. Like when I say change pro wrestling. They hijacked the company. It was more important. NWO was more important than WCW. And the Booker T's and Billy Kidman's and all of those guys that were in the mid card at that time, they didn't get to develop until later on when, you know, now you got Hulk Hogan that couldn't work a 20 minute match no more. You couldn't, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They weren't working 20 minute matches. They started bringing in everybody. Was, everybody became NWO. It was, they had Booker T. They had X Pac. They had, I mean, how many people was in it? it I mean, there was a, at one point, there was like 10 members. More. And, More than and, 10. And, yeah. and that couldn't even save it. So, like, they, 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 um, they didn't do right by it, but when they were, when they were rolling, Man, there was nothing like 
uh, NWO. I mean, it, it was, um, golly, you know, you had the anti-NWO guys, the Bret Hart's and people that didn't want to join it. But didn't Bret end up joining? Yeah, and, uh, NWO 2000. <laughs> I'm like, they, they, it, NWO was an infection. It was like The Matrix. Anybody that saw that movie, The Matrix, and the agent, he told Neo, he said, humans, they're a disease. They infect and they spread and they, that's what NWO became. It started off something unbelievable. And it ended up being the thing that stabbed them on, stabbed their own self in the back. Yeah, and then the 83 weeks were over. Tommy, in, you know, when this happened, July 7th, 1996, I'm guessing you were probably 24, 25 years old in the, the middle of a feud with Raven at ECW. Yeah, um, I agree with so much of what Mark says. I always yeah. say WCW had two things besides money, even though they lost a boatload of it. Um, they had the NWO and they had Goldberg. Those are their two greatest creations that really started with, uh, you know, that whole paradigm shift. And we're talking about 25 years where we're still talking about to the day for me, ECW was the real revolution. And like Mark said, we were doing edgy stuff because the business was flat. The business was kind of dead. And then here came ECW with violence, with um, real life storylines. I mean, I, I could talk about it so much, but it's just talking. I don't want to talk just the sake of putting over ECW, but I'm just talking about his history. And Tommy, the NWA, can, I, can I interrupt you for a second? I know sure. this is important. The first time that I saw an ECW match, I'm flipping and I turn it on and everybody, there's, there's like a big melee of people in the ring. I mean, people are hitting everybody. It, it was everybody against everybody. And all of a sudden, this motherfucker threw a toaster <laughs> from the crowd into the ring. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't used to say, I'm like, what the, where's the security? You know, what, what the hell? And the, the guy grabbed, I don't even remember who it was, grabbed the toaster and bang. I mean, like, I'm like Hardway. Oh, he did. He did. He killed him. <laughs> like, ECW was doing stuff that we had to copy. We had to. I start, I mean, I got hit in the face, in the face with no hands up with a, a damn cookie sheet. Never did that before. And they didn't explain that to us in, in, in training. There was no damn wrestling school that talked about, hey, when you take the, the frying pan to the face and you take the toaster to the crump, to the, to the dome, it was none of that. And WCW, in all their greatness, they copied it too. ECW was a razor blade. Everybody else was a knife that had been used a thousand times and needed sharpening again. And when you started to see ECW, you said, listen, man, we need to find like some smooth rocks and start sharpening our blade because this is going to take over. And you, your, your work as a babyface in ECW was something that, you know, we, we, we gave you your flowers. 
We we told you how you are yeah. arguably the most underappreciated babyface in wrestling history. WCW didn't have a Tommy Dreamer. The WWE, we we had we had Shawn Michaels. Everybody loved him. The fans, <laughs> the fans <laughs> loved him. But that was that was you were the the Shawn Michaels of of ECW and that where what did who did WCW have? I'll wait. They had Sting, but I mean they put him aside for a year yeah. where he did nothing. Right. And, and what happened? Didn't the infection get him too? Oh, absolutely. Well, and I mean that's that's just bad booking and being on top and not uh not realizing your competing your competition is doing other things. The best part about Paul Heyman, myself, ECW, if everyone was going to the right, we went to the left. And if they started going to the left, we went to the right. And you know, you think about ECW with or how that era, we had literally Shane Douglas go on the microphone and talk about Dick Flair and behind the scenes stuff of suppressing a talent that was never talked about. It was well known, but it was well talked about or just all these different things like t tables guys. I mean, everyone knows, like, I mean, look at Bubba. He made millions of dollars getting tables, but that wasn't in the business before this whole era. And a guy named Sabu did it. Um, but, you know, talking for me, I also look at it like the simple thing is the NWO T-shirt or, you know, the, the Austin 316. T-shirts were not a thing back then. But whenever I always remember, dude, it, like yesterday, I could hear him either leaving. Did you see all the ECW shirts at the television tapings? Paul would tell me. And he would be like, it's almost like the rebellion is starting and everyone was part of this cool gang known as ECW. And then they were wearing their colors on the other places. Yeah. And I would be like, Hey Paul, they're still just wrestling fans. He goes, no, no, no. Like it, it, it means something. And it did. I mean, you also think about, we had a guy named sign guy who was a fan and then all the other signs just kind of started but like we did all these things first and then, yeah, everyone else was smart to jump on it. And even Vince, because when we were, we did that invasion of Monday night raw, anything could happen uh, from there. And it all kind of just kept on going along. It was just, I took everything personal, Dave, because that was my mentality um, because I really wanted ECW to thrive and when people would leave, I'd be like, screw them. They're replaceable. And, and honestly, too, like when we talk about the when when then WCW, WCW in one you know swoop took Eddie Guerrero, Conan, um, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and they were instantly replaced. And like when we were to going violence, and this is the beauty of Paul, we were going violence tables. Now everyone starts doing it. He brings in all these wrestlers. All these wrestlers then leave. He brought in Japanese. When we, we brought in Lucha. I mean, all these things that are normal today was not around then, and but they were spotlighted. Or even simple as women. Women were involved in so many main events, and yes, they weren't having matches, but they were the pivotal parts of so many storylines. Uh, ECW, Paul, you know, myself, Paul Heyman, literally were the real NWO um, before it was NWO. 
but you can't discredit what happened because they made way more money with it. And it was just, but that's from my experience of it all. Tommy, you, you, you brought up a real unbelievable point right there with the t-shirts. I remember when ECW t-shirts started showing up on raw and SmackDown and velocity and every other show we had. And they also, then you started to see the NWO shirts and they had the, uh, the production people, you remember Ruben and yep. all of them, uh, Koshay and everybody like, and the guys that were before them, Hey, if, if, if they're sitting over there and they have that shirt on, take it, give them a WWE shirt or tell them they got to take that off. And it, it like that, it became a real war. That's a, that's when you start saying, no, you can't wave your flag here. Yeah. That's a war. And Dave, like I was in charge of the merch. You have no clue. Like, I mean, 60, $80,000 cash that we would be making from shows, you know, and Paul would literally pay the boys from the merch money. I would write it down. Like I was an actual accountant and had everything credit. And Paul would just be like, ah, fine, whatever. Give it to me, shove it in his bag. But I mean, 30,000, we would, I mean, at regular shows, twenty to $30,000 on t-shirts, anything that we printed, people bought. It was like the Bullet Club when the Bullet Club was super duper cool. But again, Dave, you were around. T-shirts weren't a thing. No. Not until Think then. of like, if you go online now trying to look up wrestling t-shirts, like there's this whole faction of it, but look at the era where it started. It started around then. Uh, just, just to chime in about the t-shirt thing. I just did a virtual autograph session and I just happened to have a brand new ECW pay-per-view t-shirt from hardcore heaven. It sold for $900. Wow. Damn. That, that, that just, and it wasn't worn or anything. It was brand new. That just goes to show you about the t-shirts. Um, this is not an ECW uh, podcast. This is about the NWO, but somehow we've drifted. And I just want to make one or two little points before I get into my NWO take, because my take really piggybacks off of something that Mark said. People slag on ECW because ECW went out of business. ECW was meant to go out of business. We were meant to crash and burn. Tommy will say we were meant to stay around forever. But when you really look at it, <clears throat> It was, it, you know, it's better to burn out than to fade away. And we never faded away. We burned out. And we burned out in style. And Tommy was there to the last day. ECW, I've said this before, ECW was the Napster of the pro wrestling business. Napster changed the way we listened to music, but they went bankrupt. ECW changed pro wrestling forever. And they went bankrupt and out of business. It deserves its spotlight. Um... We talked about, we're, we're, we're talking about the NWO, but Mark, you mentioned ECW and how the WWE had to sit up and take notice and how WCW had to sit up and take notice. That's as a company. What were you guys saying? What were the boys saying in the WWF locker room at the time in 96, 97, 98? Were you guys talking about ECW? Hell yeah. It was like, Man, these, these fucking dudes are crazy. But look at the fans. And then when you start looking at the fans and you see 
the culture change, you either buy in or die out. And then you saw a, a, a The Rock hit Ken Shamrock in the face with a chair. Then you saw the Edge and Christian progression, the Matt, the Hardys doing shit that diving in the crowd. That was never heard of before ECW. I mean, hardcore Foley, wrestling today. It's the Foley Rock I quit match. Had, right. Mean, you had you know, Gage on the show yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Was that yesterday? Last week. Yeah, it was the, During the week. Last week. Yeah. Uh, last week. He paid Bully homage. He's like, hey, man, I respect. And Bully put it on the business. The business of ECW spawned backyard wrestling. It spawned hardcore wrestling. There was no such thing. It was wrestling. ECW was had the hardcore championship and all of this. It made this whole world that they live in. So NWO saw that and said, you know what? Let's take it even further. Let's create complete anarchy and let's take over the company. Let's kill WCW with NWO. And so they made their own cool And it kids. worked. They made their own cool They became... Yeah. Man, Hogan was going down to the ring with the air guitar. Like, I don't give a fuck what's going on. <laughs> I'm I'm going to the ring. Somebody finna get their ass whooped in about 30 seconds. And I'm not gonna break a sweat. I'm not even gonna have to change my gear. I'm gonna get my get my limo and I'm going to the next town. That that mentality, that asshole, that became what the new heel was. Guys had to work super hard to be a heel. Had to had to never break. Didn't didn't shake hands. Man, there's people you can go back to the nation time and people like, man, you used to be an asshole. Because I had to to be a heel. Now, all you gotta do is no show somebody somewhere that you was I mean like stupid shit. But Dave, like you don't have you, to work hard for heat. Dave, you call them the cool kids. And, you know, we're talking about how the NWO changed pro wrestling, as Mark said, and he called it a bit of an infection. Um, I think the NWO, in a way, hurt pro wrestling also because the NWO became cool heels. Yeah. And I don't know what type of cool heels draw real money because if you have a cool heel standing in one the one side of the ring and you have a cool baby face standing on the other side of the ring who are you cheering for and who are you booing you're now cutting the crowd in half and it becomes shades of gray and i don't believe in shades of gray in pro wrestling because i don't think they work so here's as mark said here's hogan who's supposed to be the biggest heel in the company coming down to the ring playing you know playing the uh you know playing the belt and coming out to voodoo child this guy's cool as all hell it's like when triple h was uh, the heel world champion why do i hate you triple h you're the you're a world champion you're hanging out with rick flair and you have two strippers waiting for you in your shower you're my idol i don't hate yeah. you 
But also, too, to go back to Mark's point, because Mark's like, like, who? where's the baby face? Where was the baby face? And you had that, as you said, they had that in Sting, but then Sting was gone for an entire year. And then when he did come back and they had the match with Sting and Hogan at Starcade, it was a flop. So right there, like, like once again, it's like, hey, they're the cool kids. That's who I want to cheer for. And that savior that was supposed to come down and save, it just, you had him off a of TV for a year and then it was a flop at Starcade. So that I think was kind of like the beginning, that Starcade to me was the beginning of the end for things for WCW. And everything and became is- so edgy. Sorry, but yeah. everything became so edgy. I think it's amazing that we have three, you know, four people, but three people who were wrestling during this time. And we, you can go back to the, the date where Hogan turned the yeah. outsiders going was a big thing. And again, that wasn't like it was, it was so fresh and like talking like before Mark said, like things you didn't say on television and it did change the business. That's why we're still talking about it. But then that, that attitude of like, Hey, we're bigger than thou is also what led to their downfall when they, again, raw wasn't live and they were taping. And when they gave away the spoiler of who won the title being Mick Foley, it changed. And it was like that cocky and that confidence because everyone's like, Oh wait, someone's winning a title. And, and then all eyes went a different way. No, it's amazing. It's like they ate their own destruction. Yep. Talking about the cool heels for a second. This is why I appreciate MJF so much right now, Dave guys, as entertaining as MJF is, wouldn't it be very easy for him to become a cool heel? He could probably do it in 15 seconds because he's so good on the stick. But you know what MJF does? He stays in his fucking lane. To all you people who don't understand what I said about Eddie, understand what I'm saying about MJF. He stays in his lane. He knows what it takes to get heat. Instead of wanting to be the cool heel that's supposed to be hated, but everybody really loves. He's a student of the game because becoming the cool heel really doesn't do anything for anybody. And this is how I think the NWO hurt in a way, because I know all three of us, myself, Tommy and Mark, have seen entirely too many wrestlers want to be the cool heels. And this business is void these days of real heels and i've been preaching it to the end there are only a handful of guys uh, like top of my head a a corbin an mjf um uh roman to an extent you know roman to an extent but who are the real heels in our business back 20 years ago bang 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 we could rattle them off 50 years ago forget about it the business was built on heels not anymore and this is how i think the nwo has hurt us in a way well, Bully, to go back to your point, you said ECW, you know, burnt out. And in, in a lot of ways, the NWO faded away, unfortunately. But for a bright time, and especially July 7th, 1996, when, you know, Hogan was that third man and debris was getting thrown into the ring. It was a moment in time 25 years ago that no wrestling fan will ever forget. Guys, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, Bully Ray, guys, appreciate your participation. The Busted Opens, the Masters class. Drops every single Sunday, Pandora, 
Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern Time on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.